0: Greetings. I hope uh, this episode finds you well. In this short episode, um, including a conversation I had from a few weeks ago, and in this sort of fast-moving, fast-paced reality um, that we're living in at the moment, um, it can seem that the mood well it's not that it can seem the mood and the circumstances have shifted very very quickly and have been however I still think it's really relevant and in fact maybe even more so because it's really interesting to to see how things seemed even a few weeks ago and I think all of the conversation and topics are still relevant it's really to do with what positive can we take out of the situation? How can we take advantage of it? And what is it really an opportunity for us as people, both at the individual and at the social and structural levels? So I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Claire Corizan, Um, who I've worked with for many, many years in the field of technology. And what I've enjoyed the most, I'll let her sort of introduce uh, what she's doing. She's the founder of Imagine Beyond, and I'll let her talk about that a little bit just now. But I want to say, in this time, one of the things I've been talking about a lot is about maintaining our humanity um, despite or with what's happening and how it's developing and an important part of that is not just teaching people about how it works but also in our work itself maintaining that humanity and Claire has been a wonderful beacon of that because I definitely have first-hand experience of how she's maintained that essential humanity in frames which it's not always that easy to do so it's my great pleasure to be joined here by Claire Um, and we're gonna have a conversation based around a topic which I think is very relevant. I'm going to call it time for a reset and then we'll talk about what that means in a moment. But maybe Claire you could just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, what you're up to.
1: Thank you Zach and what an absolute joy it is to be with you today to um, to have a conversation together. So a little bit of background to kind of how I see the world. I guess um, I've had a career of two halves, really. The first half in creativity, the second half in technology, before taking the leap and setting up my own business, Imagine Beyond, which essentially is really taking people on that journey that I've been on as somebody who was a non-technical person about eight to ten years ago and who's been through the journey of understanding technology and being able to speak the language really so that's kind of the reason why i set up that business but i'm working on a, a variety of different projects at the moment as well alongside of that in the people space in the community and creativity space and you know, I guess what brings it all together is this absolute passion for three areas. And that really is technology, business and people. And it's almost like if you draw a Venn diagram, like those three things come together. And in the middle is this kind of passion around creativity and innovation. But also how I see the world is, you know, how those three things interrelate and how They have an impact on one another and then what that means in terms of the impact on people, on business as a result of technology, creativity and innovation. So I'm so excited to be here with you today, Zach, to be having a conversation because I'm sure that there'll be lots of different things that we can talk about in relation to those areas.
0: Fantastic. Um, Listeners to this podcast will know that it's still a pilot and I've decided against having a fixed format and... One of the things that's great about that is it means that I can be really flexible about how I do this. And I thought Claire is somebody with whom it's so easy to have really wonderful meandering, jumping, (laughs) tangible, and yet meaningful conversations, um, which are based, as I said, always in a sort of sense of humanity. And also, um, which is really good for me, somebody who's always positive, um, uh, or at least always sees something positive uh, in potential. So, and that can be very useful, I think, especially when you're researching what I'm researching. So we talked about the title being Time for a Reset. That's something you came up with. Do you want to expand upon what made you suggest that and what that makes you think of? Yeah. So,
1: gosh, the last six months have been very, very eye-opening, I think, just for me (laughs) personally. (laughs) And for pretty much everyone on this planet, I think. (laughs) Um, And what it's taught me when I think about the experience I've had through that time is it's given me the opportunity to really stop and take a moment and think, actually what's important in my life right now because there's this I have this absolute drive and ambition and passion to want to grow things build things do amazing things you know this relentless kind of you know forward moving energy that kind of is an absolute driving force in me and when COVID hit and everything kind of stopped and we had to really rethink, reshape, reimagine what the future was going to look like without knowing any idea of what the next kind of few months were going to pan out like as a result of what was going on, it gave me the opportunity to just go in, which is something that I don't do often enough, actually, and question the construct of, you know, my daily life and the things that I was doing and actually really look at the core of what's important to me, you know, my value system, what are the things, how I make decisions, what's, you know, what are the things that are really meaningful that are, you know, worth my time and energy moving forward in life. So I just love the thought that Lots of people will have gone through that experience in terms of, do I need to buy all of these things? Do I need to do lots of networking events? Do I need to you know, spend time doing this, that and the other? And actually, when you take a moment to stop and reflect and actually question yourself, it's a really beautiful moment that I think has... Uh, you know opened our eyes to many many different things so that was my kind of thinking just based on my own personal experience and you know having gone through that period of reflection and redefining what the future is going to look like and all of that so that's where it came about really have you experienced the same
0: yeah that's what really touched me about this because I think it's been also a moment to see others I think The world, for many people or many groups, has been in many ways not really working in a sustainable way, but I kind of think of it like the merry-go-round stopped. There's a... I can't remember the name of the psychological phenomenon, but I think it's sort of driven by adrenaline. Like, when you're under high stress in almost intolerable situations, you tend to be able to sustain yourself. And then when you stop, sometimes the people collapse. Um, I think Solzhenitsyn in his um, novel... Oh, it's not really a novel. It's a sort of factual book. uh, The Gulag Archipelago. I can never say that correctly. Of course I'll... (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, he he has loads of stories of these men... who survived these, you know, unbelievable uh, conditions? And then, when they finally got, if they if they survived, amazingly, when they finally got out, they almost collapsed within weeks. But what's interesting is some of them, I guess, coming back to this thing of noticing, um, like for instance, reframing who are doing the important jobs in society like we suddenly realized um you know that we really rely on okay nurses is kind of obvious even though they were sort of underestimated but also the people who are delivering food we suddenly realized that was an essential service like somebody who's serving you um in a supermarket is doing a dangerous job these kind of realizations come up and then it's like well What does that mean? Or maybe even the whole sort of structures of society with uh, various types of prejudice and discrimination. And I think when everything was just going full pelt, in a way, even if you were oppressed, you didn't have time to sit and think and talk about it. Yeah. You know, I you know, I'd just go back to work and whatever. nobody needs to hear or wants to hear it. My, my boss certainly doesn't want to hear about me being stopped by the police on the way there. It's just get on with whatever. And I think one of the interesting things about time for a reset, as we've seen illustrated in Zoom meetings, for example, is somebody's kid exists. That's part of their (laughs) life. And from time to time, they're going to walk in at the awkward moment or you're going to have a cup of tea or somebody's just... And suddenly, the weird thing is we're humanising the person because we've all just had to sort of say, yes, that actually happens. My friend Zoe actually has a life outside of the fact that she's a UX designer. Of course she does. And... That's interesting. And all the things that I have to consider and she has to consider and the rest of the world, um, that that can all be encompassed in time for a reset. Yeah,
1: and I think what's really beautiful about that is this entire globalisation of getting everyone online into a virtual space has meant that actually we are bringing our whole selves into that environment because we are in our natural habitats or for the most part we have been you know as you've described you are seeing that there are pets there are children you know you might be in the living room or a bedroom you know you're getting a window into people's lives that you may have never seen before and that creates a very different mindset but it also allows and gives us permission to actually be our most authentic selves we are being our whole selves and i just think that is really beautiful because when you can be your whole self your most authentic version of yourself you know that is going to be the best version of you
0: you you sound very excited about it so i think you'd be somebody who'd be very good at motivating people to discover that best version but it Perhaps it's not automatic. Like, a lot of people, of course, came into this world very worried. I was certainly lost a lot of confidence about, like, a lot of what I do in this new space. Uh, I put my hands up to say that I I didn't feel immediately as comfortable online here. And that's a barrier to being the best version of myself, even though I could, of course, feel comfortable at home. But there's a certain concern about how that translates how I translate over a screen and also in a sense we do wear uh, metaphorical masks like I am a different person when I go to the office to when I go to the music studio to when I go home to my family and actually it's not because any of them are not genuine, it's what I feel comfortable bringing to all those spaces. So um, it's been interesting because many of us have been forced to remove those, whether or not we were ready for that. Um, And I think something's interesting in, in, uh, we've talked before about this massive move from the office to home virtual. Can you talk a little bit more about what you think some of that might have meant for, for well, maybe for yourself and other people in terms of what actual effects, what opportunities have there been, um, what, you know, what, what might come out of um, working from home in, or in virtual space which is different to being in that office space? Yeah. I have to be honest with you,
1: Zach. I found it really hard at first. Um, I'm really fortunate to be in a, in a beautiful co-working space uh, with Soho Works, which is part of Soho House, and found my tribe being there when I joined last uh, summertime and loved being part of a community of like-minded, creative individuals who are all really interesting and, um, you know, great to speak to in terms of ideas and all sorts of wonderful stuff. When lockdown hit and I was forced to solely work from home and not have any interaction physically with any other sort of human beings apart from my family, um, I found it really difficult because the natural extrovert in me gets my energy from being around people. And I really found it very limiting in terms of the physical space and not having that opportunity to interact with other human beings although I was doing it virtually not quite the same though and the way that I was able to able to overcome that because I spent I think four or five days I was in my house and I didn't leave like in the early sort of weeks of lockdown and (laughs) I um I just thought oh gosh I, I really do need to just you know, be outside. And so I went for a run, and that just changed everything. I was able to get out into the fresh air. I remember putting my arms up in the air as I was running, just thinking, yes, looking <laughs> up the Hi.
0: <laughs> appreciating things which you'd taken for granted
1: oh yeah just breathing in the air and taking it all in and observing nature and just feeling really grateful you know that I was here on this planet although there are you know lots of challenging things going on sort of external to that that you know I live in central London and, and I'm able to do these wonderful things so yeah I found it really hard at first but then on the flip side i also think that I, this is the most creative and most innovative i've been because i've been able to have pockets of time where i can just be and be more mindful and tap into those alpha brain waves. Prior to this, the time when I would have ideas would typically be in the shower or when I'm going for a run. You know, when I'm not disturbed or distracted by anything, no technology, no people, no anything. I can just tap into problem-solving, creative brain. But what I noticed in lockdown was that. I started to have ideas left, right and centre all over the place because I would, you know, take a moment to stop and reflect or it's just a very different mindset and a different environment and constantly being distracted and uh, I've definitely found that this last six months has been probably the most creative and innovative I've been in, in my entire career. And that, uh, and I don't think I'm the only person that's experienced that. I think that's happened, you know, we're seeing it all over with explosions of innovation and creativity and new ideas that have been coming out over the last six months. So, yeah, it's got sort of it's polarizing, isn't it? On the one side, it's really challenging. But on the other side, there's huge opportunity and uh, and great things to come as a result of that shift
0: in our environment. And do you think that there's anything we can learn from now that we can take over to, I think, you know, some people are moving back into occasionally uh, working in the office or um, having in-person meetings. What do you think are the the, the healthy things we can maintain no matter how things develop
1: I think it's always really helpful to take a moment to stop and and reflect on where we've come from and that's what we did at the beginning of lockdown it was that time for reset and I kind of feel like now is another time for reset or another time for reflection actually as we look forward into the, the autumn winter months as you know as as um as things start to get a bit darker and we start to spend even more time inside. um, I guess the way that I would approach that is to look back and think, what have we actually achieved? In the last six months where it's been a very challenging time, let's look at the evidence. What is it that we've actually been able to do, whether that's business, whether that's personal, you know, whether that's development, whatever that is, and look at the evidence of the positive impact or the positive things, and then think, what did I learn about myself through that experience, and how can I then take that forward into the next six months? So I know that I'm really resilient, that I, you know, when life throws a curveball, I can reimagine and rethink and rebuild and know and trust that i'm going to be able to do that so the evidence has shown me that that is the case so now that i'm approaching the next six months with absolute uncertainty of what that looks like um i just trust that you know whatever life throws at me that you're going to have all the resources inside of you to be able to figure it out. So I think it's very often we can get stuck in the feelings. How am I feeling about things? And that might not necessarily be very helpful. Um, So it's it's good to look at the evidence, like look back and look at the evidence. What is that actually telling you about you and what you're capable of and how you are able to respond in those moments of challenge? and remember those things, because we can very often forget those, because they sit in the past when we're faced with the future. So that would be my, yeah, that would be my approach.
0: For our listeners, I'm just going to um, offer that this isn't uh, unrelated to the technology, Um, it's actually directly linked, because Claire and I've talked a lot about how this reset can also be talked of in relation to our um, everyday use of these technologies. So I sort of posed four questions before we started this. Um, And it was about how we can reset our relationships with technology, our expectations of technology, our experiences of technology, and our understanding of technology. And, of course, for each of us, that's going to be a different answer. But there are definitely going to be some commonalities. Um, I don't know, Claire, what have you learned in terms of, as you said, looking at the evidence uh, over the last six months or so? What have you learned about your relationship or your expectations or your experience of technology?
1: Yeah, what I've learned about my relationship with technology is to be able to be become less distracted by it. So working from home, for the most part, what I've been able to do is have intense, high focus periods of time when I am not distracted with anything other than what I need to focus on for that particular period of time, and that has changed my relationship with technology in many ways. Because can I ask how
0: you've done that, by the way? How have you, how have you done your focus? like? Have you yeah. m- have yeah. switched things off, or do you use yeah. an app, or how?
1: No, so it's really simple to come out of everything on the browser unless I'm working on one particular thing. Close all the apps down. Put my phone out of the way so I can't see that and then give myself a period of time. So, right, now until 12 o'clock, what I need, and give myself a goal. This is what I need to
0: So there's achieve. a fixed time and there's a fixed goal which you can visualise and...
1: Yeah. yeah. Or I will say, I'm not going to have any lunch or I'm not going to have any dinner until I have finished.
0: <laughs> so a little bit of um, stick as well as carrot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or is that but a that carrot? Is that was...
0: a carrot? Is that a stick? It's a carrot, isn't it? Something to look it's forward carrot, to. Yes, <laughs> yeah. so Yeah, (laughs) but it's also a threat so that's stick interesting (laughs) it's a stick carrot good
1: (laughs) managing expectations as well Mm. so my colleagues and people that I'm working or collaborating with just saying that for the next four hours you don't expect to hear anything from me because I'm purely focused on xyz and has really worked for me to have like intense periods of focus and then outside of that you know you can interact with other things so that has changed my relationship with technology in many ways um social media I kind of have a bit of a you know love hate hate's a strong word but love less love relationship (laughs) (laughs) in many ways uh I think that you can very easily get lost in it And I would rather use my time productively and read or, you know, do something that's going to nourish my soul rather than get sucked into a kind of endless feed of of interactivity. Uh, So that, and I guess my expectation of technology, I always get really excited about tech. So my expectation is that it's going to make our lives better. It's going to make us more productive. It's going to help us do things quicker. It's going to, you know, it's going to change the world for the better. And for a lot of the time, it does actually do that. But in many ways, it doesn't. So I have high expectations of technology. But at the same time, I'm realistic to understand the nature of how we use technology. And in many ways, it's it's not helpful for us. So yeah, um, and my understanding of technology, I guess if I'm able to not get sucked in to those habit-forming uh, rituals that come with technology and apps and stop for a moment and actually ref- reflect and question you know, why I'm interacting in certain different ways, then that's when I can really start to understand the impact of technology for me and what it's going to do and what it isn't. But it's kind of having that awareness to almost hack your habits, you know, to interject just at that point where you're just going to reach for your phone or just something that's an automatic reaction. I think being aware and having that consciousness is you know, creating a better understanding of my relationship with technology.
0: And do you think it's been easier to think about this exactly because we've been in this period of time? Right? So Definitely. before we're sort of on, we're coasting along, it's, everything's automatic and now you've... Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I think one of the things that you touched upon there as well that's really interesting to me is you talked about your expectations of technology and... I guess one theme I've had going along in this series is I I felt a little bit, especially as somebody who's worked in tech and been among people who got in for very similar reasons, loving to work on problems, seeing very optimistic um, ideas, a little bit idealistic about what technology can do for human beings. And then coming to an awareness that that is all, of course, within the scope of possibility, but that is not destined to happen, like human beings need to direct it that way. It's like, um, you know, a car can be super powerful and get you to the hospital on time. If you drive it to the hospital. If you drive it over the cliff, the car drives you over the cliff. And I think this is one thing that I've I've kind of felt like a lot of people in my position, we've been so excited that we almost became evangelical instead of steering the wheel and <laughs> and I, I really think that that doesn't make it any less exciting but it means that we need to be grown up and responsible and I that's what I think yeah. I feel has been lacking from technology a sense of respect like I feel like we've been teenagers excited teenagers for the last three decades and now it's time to grow up and say well there's some responsibility here because it's not by itself going to be fantastic we need to steer it so that it does the fantastic things and that's why um there has to be some value system underneath that which is about which is why i sort of talk about you know humanizing tech because if it's just left to its own device it it um it can be anything, there can be any result and as we've seen, purely economic arguments don't necessarily make our lives easier and better. I mean the the phone in your pocket got is more powerful than the one that got people to the moon the first time and yet people are not I'm not general turning around to people who are saying, "Oh, I'm so much less stressed than my mother was," and 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 that's that's worrying to an engineer. That's like, wait, how can the things be getting exponentially faster and better, and yet people don't feel exponentially better off? Or you know, that, that some 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 kind of alignment has gone a little bit wrong. And and maybe this chance for reflection is all of us to sort of say, okay, right. we we tried that out now let's let's sort of talk about how we should do this properly so that we can take advantage of all this amazing creativity people have but we can also um, take care of all the different people who are in society we can recognize who's actually what is essential for people's health for their well-being what are the things that are actually important in society for each of us and I guess that's when we expand this question out from ourselves like what we've as individuals discovered about our relationships or expectations of technology and what we might learn from that to think about what what can we see in the society like what what could we ask people to expect Uh, what's it reasonable what kind what would be a healthy relationship in general for people be what would that look like um what would a healthy humane experience of technology for everybody be how much does the public have to understand technology so i guess what i'm thinking of is can we have a vision can we have a human vision for where technology sits instead of like in my work I'm often teaching people about these new exciting concepts which they don't and and I I notice that people are a bit excited but they're mostly nervous that they're on a raft in a big sea and they might fall off they just need to know enough so that they can keep going and this can be the CEO of a massive company or somebody starting their new startup or a student or anybody it could be my mother and I feel like i 'd really like it to be more like we 're all captaining boats, and we know what they can do we, we We know that they can get us from A to b, and we 're going towards b it 's not like a rap and it 's like we seem to be heading in the wrong direction no we, we, we all have what we need to direct it so that it 's going towards something which we agree is worthwhile yeah. going towards.
1: Yeah. So how do we get the power back into the individual hands? Like, That's the question, isn't it? How do we make people aware so that they're able to make those informed choices for which way the boat is going to be navigating that's right for them as a unique human being on this planet? Yeah, that is the big question because at the moment, the power isn't with the people. It's with the big companies who are building all of this magical, wonderful stuff. Um, and even with regards to data, you know, who owns your personal data, my personal data, that's one way in which we can start to gain some kind of control in terms of our navigation. But, yeah,
0: I, I think also that my excitement is that I think when I'm educating people about this is... It's actually, we have a lot more um, opportunity than we assume on this. Um, If, in a way, ironically, if, if we sort of become a bit more imaginative. So because at the moment you google everything people can only imagine that the only way of having something which is an amazing technology like search engine is through having one centralized company which they're able to do all that but actually the amazing thing about technology is that if you think of an idea you can do it a different way so now people are starting to learn about decentralized um decentralization and so on and I think it's it's really exciting. I remember when I used to talk a lot about open source over 15 years ago and people just couldn't imagine how you could have uh, people sharing technological ideas and developing. And now I'm teaching it all the time about how amazing it is. And it's not anti-business, but it's, it's pro openness and it gives all sorts of new opportunities especially for smaller newer players and it democratizes the potential for development and I think um, the time for reset for me means can we have more conversations about how we can do that with other elements certainly before it's irreversible I think with with data for instance can we change our relationship can people again own the information and sort of understand what it is instead of just having to click yes I agree because there's a 10,000 word um, document there or something about cookies which I'll just get out of my way click 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 so that I can do whatever. Um, I'm working on a workshop and because I, I've seen that it's quite a challenge to get people to be interested in these topics, I've tried to make it quite fun and game-oriented. And one of the things is people are quite surprised when you show them, for instance, that, that, that odd website you go to, if you actually read where it says, do you want to accept or, you know, you, you'll have seen it, it'll have popped up, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know. Uh, and if you click on list of partners, it's actually almost unbelievable how many companies are these third-party companies that they're selling your data to? And um, it's also really interesting how much people get from this. It's not... And I think it's, again, I mean, that human beings, we're we're not good at these intangible things. I I, I was commenting to a friend of mine, and I said, I think one of the problems with pollution is that we can't see it. And I think we'd have a lot more success if we... If I was able to make a law, one law, I'd make all of these um, poisonous, noxious um, anti-environment um, gases have to be stained bright pink or bright orange. Because I think in a day, if you just saw what was happening, you wouldn't be able to walk your kids down watching them breathe that in and out without having a completely different view about what that's doing. And it's, it makes complete sense because we can't see it. It's just naturally not something we can get, pet up about um, and I think it's something similar with this like we need to really understand what are the real consequences what's it doing to us and maybe yeah. the reset in a way it's it's an analogous to that because we've we've been forced to stop and see what's happening to our bodies what's happening to our mental state what's happening yeah to our health what's happening you know in those work environments where maybe there was politics going on and all sorts of things which was hurting us and now we've suddenly can ask wait is that acceptable is 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 the all sorts of social injustices that we're seeing is that acceptable is the way our technology that that the way it's developing is all of that what we want and it's an open question we might sort of go actually nine out of ten is exactly what we just want to tweak this but It might also be different. It might be, actually, there's a a whole load of things which we'd do differently if we'd had the time to stop and think and honestly ask. I think there's always something suspicious about people who are not ready to give you a chance to, to sort of think about something. You know, like when you're being rushed. That's 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 sort yeah. of a con a, a con person's tactic, isn't it? Like they come, to, yeah. no, no, no you know, this what you know they they go to your mother's house and say, oh, you need to do this. You just need to, or they're Nigerian prince or something. But you need to do it now. Um, <laughs> I might be a Nigerian prince. Uh, anyway, so just, but you know, um, so yeah, I think that, that's really valuable that we we yeah. are being served an opportunity. We are maybe at an opportune time, which is not to say that. Um, of course to belittle the suffering and the difficulty that loads of people have been through and unfortunately will continue to go through before this is over but to seize the opportunity that has been given nevertheless and make a genuine um, change or do our best Hmm.
1: yeah and let's not let this moment go by because we're not going to get another moment like this in time, really.
0: So how yeah. do we how do we do that? How 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 would you how do, how do we maintain the momentum? Because of course, human beings like, for instance, none of us are as scared as we were at the beginning. Like yeah. you were saying, you stayed in your house, or you you or or as. Uh, it's very difficult to say as determined or as vigilant or so on. Human beings get used to it. It's funny, like yeah. bank robbers know that you just wait until the the guard, security guard's been working there a few weeks and then you go, you know, because you know, with nothing happening. It, it's, it's, so it's I'm, 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 I, a friend told me. So, <laughs> um, so no, but
1: familiarity, um, <laughs> so, yeah. familiarity complacency you know we sort of get back into the groove again don't we and we and then we go on autopilot and just go about our daily lives you know there's neural pathways get ingrained again and we don't even think about what we're doing we're living our life through shortcuts and uh, you know metaphorically speaking and things that just make our lives easier so we can spend more processing power on the things that are more complex so yeah i I guess the, the way to do that is to be conscious right to be conscious of what's happening right now at this moment in time. And maybe it's about going, okay, right now I'm going to stop and take that moment to look back and think forward. What's the next six months going to be? And actually take five minutes or 10 minutes after this podcast to just reflect and take that moment and think and give myself the gift of that time and opportunity to just imagine what I want the next six months to be and what I've learned about the last six months.
0: Yeah, that's That's fantastic, yeah. And actually, it reminds me of something that I had an idea of doing, which is basically force myself to have a check-in with myself periodically. So, for instance, in the next six months, literally put it in my diary. Maybe I'll do it after this call in my calendar. And the way I frame it is always as a conversation between me now and me then, whichever way around you look at that. Um, so I try to represent... Um, actually, I tend to think of now, future and present. I, I really think that, for me, it's really useful to have this idea of those three people, if they could meet and have a conversation what is that conversation at that point? And so maybe putting that into a calendar, if anybody else finds that useful, um, it's definitely something I find really interesting and I wish I'd done when I was younger, definitely. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. There's a, there's a really lovely, another lovely technique to do, and I've used this in the past myself and with people that I've coached, which is really powerful and it's along the similar lines, where you write a letter to yourself.
0: yeah.
1: And what's wonderful about that is there's this part of the brain that's called the reticular activating system, which is, you know, it's almost like when you've made a decision that you're going to buy a red car, for example, just by virtue of the fact that you've made that commitment to yourself, you start seeing lots of red cars. Oh my God, why am I seeing all these red cars? (laughs) But it's a reticular activating system that's into play because it's filtering out all of the other stuff in your environment and focusing on what's important to you. So doing that, as you've just described and as I've just described, in terms of that future, imagining the future and doing that is a amazing technique to use to get you to the future that you want to create. And just by virtue of the fact that you're committing or you're writing it down, the act of doing that is a very powerful way to uh,
0: create the future that you want. Wonderful. I'm glad you used the word powerful there because of course you're one of the founders of um, We Are Powerful Creators. And actually that's (laughs) what I'm thinking about in a time when a lot of people can easily feel overwhelmed Mm. um, and almost powerless because of these massive things Um, those two things we've talked about giving yourself time and space and permission to check in with yourself and also directing yourself towards that future that you want to be part of or to make or to create or bring into being that's what you can do so I, I would actually invite any listeners maybe to take up um Claire's um <laughs> call there just after this, if you do have any time, maybe yeah. you can give yourself ten minutes. If you don't have ten, five minutes. If you don't have five, one minute. I always say just just what can you do? Thirty seconds? Can you give yeah. yourself ten seconds? You know. <laughs> um maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. You know, and yeah. just to sort of say, Well you know, what is the future that you want? for yourself and for your world whatever that means to you and can you check in with that with yourself yeah. at some period in the future and just without judgment maybe just check in how you're doing on that you know yeah. and I think we're we're so hard on ourselves we're so hard it's, it's you know I think one thing I said to a friend of mine who was really upset And I realised that she was so hard on herself, that she was harder than... like She'd never treat any friend of hers the way she treated herself in terms of judgement. And I said, don't... I'm I'm not asking you to be your best friend. I'm your best friend. Just be a somewhat friend, (laughs) you know. And that will already be about 100 times better you know, and it's just that realization. We're, we're just, we're just trying. None of us got the manual. We definitely didn't get the manual for this one, or mine's in the post somewhere. So <laughs> let's, you know, check in yeah. with that, and then. So yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much, Claire, for for Pleasure. all of that. Um, <laughs> as expected, were, yeah. always from a um, very true, authentic place, which is very positive. And i am, yeah, I look forward to catching up again and finding out how how we sort of put this all into practice, where it gets us. <laughs> <laughs> Me
1: too. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Amazing.
0: It's always a pleasure to speak to somebody such as Claire, who's both professional and um, well, I keep saying the same phrase, but manages to maintain their humanity somehow, which is not guaranteed. And yet also, it's always interesting to get an insight into how somebody else has experienced this in their professional work and how that's interacted with their personal um, growth or development during this time. And I think one of the most powerful things that came out of the conversation that's really well two things. One, this idea of checking back on the evidence, um, not to get bogged down in just, just the emotion and see what actually happened. Often it's surprising like what, how resilient you were or how you grew through a period of crisis. And that second thing is also to give ourselves time. And I would really put forward that suggestion again of Claire's like to give yourself a bit of time to check in with yourself about what are actually not only what you've achieved that's that reflection on the evidence but also what do you where do you want to go um and what do you want to achieve and that's on all those levels the personal the social the professional the structural and just even articulating that can start to move you towards noticing things that are helpful for that goal. And be kind to yourselves. Small baby steps, even those will get you there if you're going in the right direction. Thanks for listening and uh, look forward to, well, not seeing you, uh, but talking to you again next time. Cheers. Bye-bye.